Welcome back to the DS Without the BS podcast, where we help demystify data science, AI, and machine learning for marketers. I'm Caroline Allen, Associate Marketing Director here at Distillery and host of our channel. For our first episode of 2019, I'm joined by two distillers who you are all already familiar with by now, Peter Lenz, Senior Geospatial Analyst, and Peter Abara, Associate Director of Insight Solutions, as well as someone new to the podcast, Matt Saban, our Director of Solutions Engineering. They have just returned from the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference, where they presented new research around fantasy sports, esports, and recently legalized sports gambling. With March Madness, the MLB season opener around the corner, and even looking to the future with the upcoming 2020 Olympics, where should sports teams and advertisers invest their dollars and resources to find new audiences? So welcome back. I know it's been a while since we've been recording, but <laughs> it's been a little bit. We'll it has, break. it has. But you know, I think the Sloan Sports Conference is the perfect time to relaunch the podcast and talk about you know what's been going on here at Distillery, but also what's been going on in the world of sports. So I guess to start it off for our listeners who aren't familiar with the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference, can you tell us a little bit about the conference and what is the significance of getting your paper accepted? Sure. So um, the MIT Sloan Sports Conference, it's 13th year, I believe, um, and really it kind of started out as a way for um, various organizations and teams and kind of students to come together and learn about the latest happenings um, in analytics within sports. Traditionally for on-field performance, how to, you know, everyone probably thinks of Moneyball. Um, it's really a conference that kind of was centered around that. It's really grown in the last few years. I think this year they had over 3,000 attendees where they're talking about a lot of things, um, not just with the things that go on on the field for any of these sports, but for the business of sports. Um, how can they use data to under, have better understanding of their audiences? How can they grow their fan base? Um, you know, what are the things that they can do to basically start creating more unique experiences for the fans? Um, and you know that's kind of like what I think this conference was really centered on is the idea of how these organizations are building out their data infrastructures and how they're doing this in a way so that they can um, basically have a better connection with the people that follow their teams, their sports, um, or the leagues as a whole. It's the only conference in the world where you're going to find the head coach of a major team sitting right next to a data scientist. And this isn't the first time that you guys have been at the conference. So a couple of years ago, which we actually talked about in a previous podcast, um, you guys went and talked about, you know, using location signals at MLB stadiums to validate sponsorship dollars. So this time around, you know, we mentioned that you were talking more about looking at the new avenues of sports gambling when it comes to like esports, fantasy sports and sports betting, mm -hmm. and your paper, I'll read the title, your paper is titled, The Horizon of Sports is Digital, Using Fantasy Sports, Esports, and Electronic Gambling to Find Your Next Generation of Ticket Buyers. So what was your hypothesis around the paper? What were you looking to discover? Yeah, um, really what we kind of wanted to do was use location audiences, similar to what we did last time, um, for MLB and NFL stadium attendees, and then from that, finding the new uh, industries or channels that all these sports entities are starting to invest in. Um, fantasy sports, esports, and gambling um, are kind of the three primary ones we identified. 
um, and kind of understanding the behaviors between those groups and the people that we see going to games to get a better understanding of who the best people are to drive future ticket purchases. Um, Matt here was kind of our expert in identifying those categories, uh, especially the esports one. I know he's a big fan of that. Um, so yeah, Matt. Matt? Yes. So um, <laughs> we chose uh, gambling uh, mo most likely because uh, gambling is getting a lot of traction with the legalization in New Jersey. Uh, esports because if you look around the esports world, esports is basically uh, playing competitive video games for for those uh, listeners who aren't fans of video games. But it's become a big thing over the past twenty years now. Um, and um, one of the biggest esports, League of Legends, garners uh, for for their Super Bowl event. They have about 22 million concurrent viewers around the world. So that was another audience we really wanted to focus on. And lastly, um, we selected fantasy sports because you know that's something that even non-sports fans can really get into. One thing that's important to note here is that when we talk about sports, we're not talking about just the big major league sports like baseball, football, basketball, hockey. We're talking about something much bigger than that. This is a definition of sports that includes things like fencing and even poker or esports. This is really inclusive of anything where people are paying money to be entertained by people who are very good at competing against each other. There, it's, it's entertainment business. It's, it's exactly the same as going to the movies. It's exactly the same as going out and figuring out who's going to buy what books. But here we're doing it in terms, the product is watching people do things. So you've talked about the audiences, but what did you actually what was the actual experiment that you ran? Certainly. So we did what we do best every day. We created a set of audiences to study behaviors. In this case, we designed three very special audiences. One around people who are engaged in esports. Um, Matt is a big esports fan and understands what people who are into esports are doing online. So we used his knowledge to design a audience to collect data reflective of, of, of esports is a very broad topic. League of Legends, um, Starcraft, Overwatch, Dota. Anything that someone's going to be going out there and watching on YouTube as opposed to playing, we recorded data on that. We also had two audiences already in our system collecting data, one on uh, e-gambling and one on fantasy sports. In fact, we have multiple audiences for those. We had to select of the audiences we've already built and are collecting data for our clients, which ones work the best for this experiment. We took those three pools of audiences. To that, we added people who showed up at MLB games and NFL games using our geodata. We know where all the stadiums are. We can see devices that show up in those stadiums. So we took all of this together and we smushed it together into one big pile of devices, 50,000 devices altogether. 50,000 because that's what fits inside of our subpopulator. Subpopulator is a technology we have at Distillery that lets us take a group of devices and say, what do they have in common? So normally we say, here's a behavior like gambling, find me the people who are gamblers. 
With subpopulator, we say, here's a set of devices. What are these devices doing? So it's a clustering technology. It tells us what people are doing. It's up to humans to figure out what those behaviors actually are. Um, it's a way to let the internet tell us what people are interested in. We took our 50,000 devices, ran it through subpopulator, and got a cluster of behaviors, 10 clusters of behaviors. And this is the cool part. We took, went back to our original audiences, the three behavioral and two location audiences, and said, what percentage of each of these source behaviors is present in each cluster? We then could tell you a story. Oh, this cluster has a lot of gambling behavior and the people who are in it also went and did blah. So we could ascribe back commonalities between the audiences. Say I am, I'm hosting the US National Fencing Championship. What am I, what should I be doing as the marketer or as the, the company itself who's running this sporting event? How can I, you know, attract new customers? How can I find new audiences for this form of entertainment? Yeah, no, that's actually a really good question. It was a common theme um, that we saw at the conference, whether it was fencing or any other sport, where really these organizations are um, starting to build out their internal data infrastructures. They want to have a more direct connection with their fans so they can basically do exactly what you're talking about, market to them, message them, um, develop content that's specific to their needs. Um, and that's kind of like what this this whole thing is about is using the available digital channels that a lot of brands are using every day um, and really bringing it to the sports world to develop those direct connections and to develop and make more intelligent decisions, um, whether it's for fencing or, or any other sport, really. One thing that these teams and, and organizations are learning, though, is that this data is a flood and they're not ready for that flood of data. They're just massive scale when you're collecting all of this different information about all of these different people who are engaging with you. And that requires specialty knowledge. Um, these organizations are very good at managing their players. They're very good at figuring out you know, the, the, the strategies for their teams. They know how to engage with traditional marketing methods because that's what they've been doing for the last 50 years. But the new, the new data sources are overwhelming to them. And one of the key learnings here is that they need help. Some of them have gone out and built out the expertise. They've gone and hired data scientists and technical people to be able to work with this data. But that's expensive and difficult. You could instead go to a distillery who has all that skills, skill, has all that knowledge, has all of the data, and use that as a force multiplier for their own organization. Right, and just to piggyback off of that, mining and gathering data is easy. Filtering out the noise is the hard part. And from the different brands that we saw there, uh, such as the NFL, the MLB. I, I like to use the NFL as an example. They're, they're putting microchips in, in the pads of all their football players. And I think they get about uh, 13 petabytes worth of data per game. Okay, so you have a lot of data, cool. Um, how do you make sense of it? And especially with this new, this new context of like all these different data, data points, you need a specialist there and that's just talking about the aspect of playing the game. How about 
marketing your brand, you have all those data points related to that. You need a different kind of specialist for specifically marketing or growing your brand, growing the fan experience. And that's something that I think here at Distillery we, we do pretty well. We've been doing for the past several years. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that that's kind of where, as we were at the conference, one of the things that we felt we we're actually pretty uniquely um, positioned as is because we're, we're kind of a company that's data agnostic. We can take in any sort of data and we can put out, we can do an output of it um, that can help brands in whatever way they want to go and uh, utilize that. And I think that as we see sports kind of make these transitions over, um, there is a good opportunity for for companies like us to come in and say, well, let's utilize all the things that traditional marketers have been doing um, and let's help you guys kind of put together that infrastructure that doesn't just take in the data and clean it, but brings out the the meaningful things from it so that they can start having those connections and really, you know, the more important thing is monetize all of this stuff. They need to draft us for their team. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, when looking through these, so you looked at three very specific audiences when you were doing this study, right? You looked at fantasy sports audience, esports, and sports gambling. What are some of the unique features or the unique, unique like characteristics of these different audiences that you found? Sure. Um, so I'm gonna I'll talk about two of them. I mean, fantasy sports and electronic gambling. Um, you know, in our study, those were the two channels that we identified as being the best for um, future growth of basically converting fans to that traditional ticket buyer. Um, there's it, it should be stressed, that was what our goal for this experiment was. We were interested in, in exactly that, how to drive people into that traditional sports experience. Exactly. Traditional sports being Major League Baseball or NFL. Exactly. And how to get them into the stadium seats. Exactly. Yes, putting butts in the seats. It's, I mean, and that's kind of what, you know, like as we were looking at this, how do we create those new fans? How do we use these channels to do that? Um, and those were the two best ones. I mean, we saw things like uh, sports gambling had a really high overlap with golf. Um, or like the uh, fantasy sports, like it kind of makes sense that that had the strong overlap that it does with the NFL. And there were really interesting opportunities where they can kind of understand the behaviors of the people that play them, whether they follow a specific sport, whether they actually go to these events um, to kind of create that unique content. And I think the one interesting thing, and Matt can expand on this, is how uh, kind of unique of a behavioral profile that esports had. Yes, yeah, so esports was definitely the wild card. So. The whole impetus of this experiment was um, my favorite sports team, the New York Mets. Their owners bought an eSports team for the game Overwatch. And I remember at the time thinking, man, the Wilpons are wasting their money again. Oh my goodness. Why don't they spend that money on an actual baseball player rather than a video game team? But, you know, thinking about it, I was saying, hey, what, what if they're actually trying to grow the Mets brand by buying an, an eSports team? What if they're trying to get those fans to become fans of the New York Mets? So, you know, we ran the experiment and it turns out that that's not the case. eSports, so yes, the Wilpons are wasting their money again. <laughs> um, it turns out that the eSports audience is a very distinct audience compared to fantasy sports fans or, or sports gamblers. They are really into the video games that they play. Another characteristic is they're into, for example, um, Japanese anime and Japanese comics or comic books, sci-fi. Um, 
I don't want to use the term nerd because it can be derogatory, but I'm a nerd. We're nerds. It's okay. We're I'm, all nerds. We're all nerds. But they really like their games, and they really don't care about traditional sports, or sports ball, as they like to say. They are not conducive to being ticket buyers for the New York Mets, unfortunately. And that said, it is a very good investment if they want to invest in where the overall world of sports is headed. Yep. It's not a legacy play. It doesn't play into their core business of the New York Mets, but it helps them be in a place for a post-baseball future. And I, yeah, I completely agree with that, actually. Like, when we were kind of looking at this from the angle... I hope we agree. We wrote the paper together. I mean, that's true. <laughs> um, but I had a dissenting opinion. No. Um, though, but I, I agree with that in the sense that when you're looking at this from the sense of, are they good for doing being a future, a future purchaser of New York Mets? No. But when we kind of shifted the question to, is this an industry that's worth developing into the next Major League Baseball? Um, if you're trying to compete on that level, there's actually a really good case to be made that it is. And I think that Matt touched on a lot of those unique behaviors, but they're unique behaviors that also have a very large audience. And so if they, were, if they can figure out a way to essentially make this into the next up and coming sports um, league, it, there's a lot of interesting opportunities for them to do yeah, so. I just see a lot of untapped potential. And, That's and what's more, these are behaviors that are young. Um, when you take a look at the other two, other two fantasy sports in e-gambling, you see a lot of signals that read older. These are people who have been in sports for a very long time. They're already hooked. They're already spending their money, but you know they are going to over time go away. And if you want to be where the growth is, you need to be with these these esports leagues. Mm -hmm. And that's a conversation we were having earlier too. One of the I think one of the key takeaways that you brought back from the Sloan Sports Conference was when looking at the future of sports and the future of marketing different, you know, whether it's baseball or basketball or football, sports teams and brands need to understand that what value they're providing and how to really harness on that, right? What can you why don't you dive a little bit into the WWE and some of the things that we were talking about with that. Yeah, I mean, and that's one thing that we, when we all walked away from the conference that we completely agreed with. Um, like the WWE and how forward thinking they are, and I know we don't, most people probably don't think of them as being on a, a level of like Major League Baseball or NFL, um, but they really have a good understanding that a lot of what their job is, is to create content, is to develop new forms of entertainment so that they can have more direct connections to the, their fans and so they can make more curated content for their fans um, and, and gain like a higher level of engagement. And that's really what it's all about. And I think one of the most interesting things from the conference is we were listening to a panel with, uh, with all the leagues and then the WWE was there. NFL, MLB, they're kind of like trying to figure out ways to create maybe one or two pieces of, uh, you know, like a viral moment within a game. And then they're trying to figure out how can we create more of those things, right? Um, and then on the flip side, the WWE was talking about how they've developed basically a content creation or content marketing school that all of their you know performers go to down in Orlando. <coughs> and they, uh, sports people, not performers. No, that's the term that that's they the, use. Well, that's the term that they use. WWE yeah. considers their employees to be performers. But it was like, and the reason why is because they understood that if we can teach our our performers, our athletes 
to use social media to create content um, that they can become their own entities within the within the league itself and it can only be used to further the brand further their engagement and like find the next niche consumer that may not be a part of the core brand but is a follower of a specific right. person content is king that's the the message that i got from the wwe talk and on top of that it if if they're creating that personal connection if you are using an app like facebook or I don't know if Periscope is still a thing. <laughs> I don't know. Either. But uh, but they are talking directly to their fans, and and fans want more of it. They're buying it up. And that's something I think brand marketers are already very aware of, or they're all you know jumping in that content game. Whether it's you know understanding who your key players in your companies are and building them up as thought leaders, and knowing that people are going to be more trustworthy of your brand if they have a personal connection to them, if they feel like you have expertise in a certain field, if you're a data company or a tech company. And as sports teams continue to evolve and, and grow on that marketing presence, they really need to harness you know, what brands already do know about varying their marketing. Yes, yeah. and, I, and I think that's completely true. And, and it's not like the other leagues don't have a social media presence. I mean, we, there's a lot of talk of athletes and how much they use Twitter, how much they use social media. Um, and I think that the other leagues are kind of figure out, trying to figure out how they can use those things um, to essentially further grow, whether it's the NBA or the NFL. And I think, again, what was just so impressive about the WWE is how they're not thinking about that. They're like thinking about how they can turn this into an industry within itself. Um, and like it really is like years ahead of what other people are doing and um, it's it's it was just really impressive yeah. and also you know understanding your audience and understanding who you're speaking to is also going to then feed back into whatever content whatever marketing you're creating so you know that's just another another I think key takeaway of all of this of just knowing exactly who your audience is knowing how to grow that audience and knowing how to speak to them and that is the number one problem that for me at least speaking to esports because I sat in on all the esports panels they want to know who their addressable audience is they want to know who their fans are they want to know how to make non-fans into fans um, and ultimately they want to create an experience so where esports we're, we're playing a game becomes a tradition that's passed on from you know from uh, parent to child uh, which I found fascinating because I, I never I'm, I'm a big gamer nerd I never really thought of video games like that but I'm thinking, wait, that's actually pretty cool. That would be cool if my kids like played the same games I did, just like I learned baseball from my dad. Yeah, just like going, having those memories of like going to the stadium with your dad and yep. you know, having a hot dog. Yeah, and so you have to sit down and like share your team and share your fan or esports team with your with your kids, I can imagine. So that. they're trying to craft that experience now, and this is where I think that distillery can really help. Um, especially with finding out who your audience is. Uh, we have the data for it. Uh, we collect um, more than 150 billion signals a day. Uh, we have a very extensive device graph. Um, and although our experiment was just focused on answering this one question of who are the best audiences to put uh, butts in the seats, um, we could still use the same process and the same technology to figure out who is the best, who are the types of people that you can reach out to further grow your brand and to further enhance your fan experience. Mm -hmm. So we have March Madness coming up, you know, it's in a few weeks it kicks off. What, if any, do you have like any predictions or any ways that you think that, you know, 
the NCAA is going to be harnessing, whether it's sports betting or fantasy sports? Um, I don't have any predictions on the actual tournament. That thing's a complete, you know, <laughs> it's a complete mess every year, which is why it's so great. I mean, the one prediction I would have and like what I would love to see is how, I mean, this is kind of like the first year where there's going to be a few states that have legalized sports gambling. And it's going to be great to see like the data that comes in from that, um, that event because that is a huge gambling like, event on the calendar and like being able to use our systems to kind of analyze that. I mean, maybe we could use that for, you know, another research paper. We could, that's <laughs> actually not a bad idea. A metric bleep ton of money is going to change hands. It is the very first time that it's above the board for that to happen. And I know we're going to have the entire experience instrumented in our system to collect a lot of data and learn from it. Here's a prediction right here. I'm going to be in New Jersey <laughs> when March Madness is going on and betting on the games. Yeah, just so you can make just, just so you can place the bets. That's for it. research purposes, of course. That's it. Nothing not for entertainment purposes only. Right, right. Yeah. I bet you can get that expense. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'll try. We'll have to get this podcast out and live before so <laughs> exactly. it'll be above the board. Um, all right. So, I mean, listen, there is just I think the main takeaway from all of this is that, you know, whether you're a sports team, whether you're a brand, whether you're an advertiser, or marketer, understanding more about the data that you have and the data that's available to you that you might not have in your system already, but that you can have access to, it's only going to strengthen your relationship with your customers and your clients. It's going to help convert new fans, new ticket sellers. But at the same time, you know, it's it's still kind of a new world for a lot of for a lot of people. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. And I mean, you know, this isn't the only industry that's happening. I mean, we see this with stuff like at CPG where more direct to consumer brands are coming up and challenging, you know, some of the bigger CPG brands that ha don't have the direct connections. Um, and so you're starting to see some of those brands try to get more of those direct connections and, and develop things that do that. Um, so, yeah, this is something that's going to be relevant across the board and like, you know, I know Lens would agree with this. Like, data is probably like the new oil. It's going to be the it's going to be the commodity that everyone's looking for. And so, the, you know, the question right after that is, what do we do with it? I think are you guys, you know, as usual, you guys are more than happy to have these conversations offline. If anyone, any of our listeners are interested, or if anything has sparked their curiosity, um, you can just shoot Pete, Pete, and Matt a note. Their email is analytics at distillery .com. And if you guys want more information on the work we're doing here at Distillery, if you're interested in seeing how our audiences can help you make more strategic business decisions, whether you are a brand or if you're the NFL, WWE, fencing, give us a call. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash distillery.intelligence, or hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Distillery. Don't forget that Distillery without the I, D-S-T-I-L-L-E-R-Y. Talk to you soon.